stepped on a lot of toads And you broke a lot of hearts And you rubbed up and down Against a lot of people's body parts You thought that loving would be good for you Hey gang, it's John. Thank you for listening to a very special bonus episode of The Hustle. This is going to be fun. Let me tell you what's going on. So, as you may have heard, there is a new, very good super group happening out there on the street right now. They're called The Immediate Family. Get a load of who is in this band. On drums, you have Russ Kunkel. On bass, you have Lee Sklar. And on guitar, you have Wadi Wachtel, Danny Korchmar, and today's guest, Steve Postel. Those are five of the most important, most successful session musicians in rock history. And they have all come together to form this group, The Immediate Family. The song you're listening to right here is called Cruel Twist, and it's their very first single. It just came out today, the 12th of June. So go check it out. Go buy it. Whatever you got to do. They have been building quite a following on social media, especially on YouTube. Look them up on YouTube. There are some really fun videos on there. Now, of all the names that I mentioned, the one who's kind of the new on the new guy on the block is Steve. And so that's who we're talking with today. We're getting to know Steve Postel. So Steve's career goes back, I mean, as almost as long as all these other guys does, but it was largely happening in New York. And the music industry in New York is very different than L.A. So his work is, lot of, is, work is revolving around things like jingles and Broadway. He's not in L.A. playing with those guys. But he's building quite a following too. In fact, for a while there, he was playing with people like John Oates on his solo stuff, David Crosby in the last few years, Jennifer Warnes. So the guy has earned his bona fides, but I thought let's take a moment to get to know Steve on the day of the release of Cruel Twist. Now, I gotta tell you, I made a little bit of a mistake in here. When I was doing my research, the thing that I kept coming back to that looked to me as, the, as being the oldest sort of credit of his was working on a Jennifer Warren's album in the 80s. I had that wrong. What he did is that he worked on a reissue album. So he and I are, were not quite on the same page for a few minutes there, and it is completely and totally my fault because I misread the information that I was given. Anyway, we talk about how the immediate family came together, how he got involved with these guys, his placement in the band, the magic, the chemistry that makes up this wonderful dynamic that they have. We also get into gear, and we get in, which is something that I get requests for a lot, but I don't know enough about, so I never go there. Well, I went there this time for you. And we talk about how he earned his bona fides, okay? Anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I have a feeling you will, and there's more to come. I've talked to all five members of the immediate family now, and all of those interviews will be coming out over the next few months, next few weeks, next few months, including next Tuesday when you will get to hear from Cooch, Danny Korchmar himself. Okay? Steve called me from his home in L.A. All right, Steve. I, I mean, I'm sure you get this a lot. I, when it comes to the immediate family, you're a little bit of the new guy. You're kind of the new guy on the block a little bit. And, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the Ron Wood of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, you're the Ron Wood of the immediate family. So I'm curious, you know, let's start from the beginning here. I mean, we'll get into your history and your bona fides here in a minute. But how did you even become a part of this super group? Well, it, it, it was a, it was a progression of meeting the guys in different circumstances over time first of all Leland was the first guy first immediate family member that I, I met him at NAMM show mm-hmm. I had a deal on a record label that's now uh, like many so many others gone under called Emergent Records mm-hmm. and I think I was doing pre-production of it at the time we were just getting it together and I was putting together in my head which musicians I would want on, on the record that people I knew and there were a lot of great people like Robin Ford and Eric Johnson and this and so on and so forth but I, I look over there's Leland Sklar and I'm like you know what all my life I've wanted to play with that guy mm-hmm. and I just walked over to him and I said oh, Leland Sklar I'm Steve Postel and you're playing on my new record he went okay <laughs> 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 so uh, he probably wouldn't know any different. Those guys are so, yeah. and you can relate to this too, so busy. 
I mean, at least back in the day, in the 70s and 80s especially, it's just like an assembly line. I mean, they're just going from one gig to the next. They're, you know, I don't know. Where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to play? Okay, right. I'll do it, you know? Well, I think I think there was a vibe, and he saw who I was with, and mm. it was somebody who knew it, you know. But, but yeah, it was a pretty it was a pretty instant, like, we kind of clicked, and I was kind of joking around, but he knew I meant it, and then, he, and then they did it. So, so I met Leland first. What year was that? Mutual, I think that record, probably 10 years ago. Oh, okay. Um, and then on that same record, and it was only a one-time meeting until the band, I, I had a mutual friend who was an engineer uh, who had used to work with Stevie Nicks years ago, and he, hmm. he knew Waddy, and I said, gee, I'd love to have Waddy on a song, and he's one of my guitar heroes. And So I did meet Waddy, but it was a very quick, like, come in, set up, hmm. how you doing, play on the track. Mm -hmm. But the real thing happened when I finished that record, I got Nathaniel Kunkel to mix it. Mm. And Nathaniel, who's Russ's son, uh, I listened to a lot of records, and he had mixed a record, a Crosby Nash record. I just I just loved it. It just sounded, it was so similar in that instrumentation to my record. He did such a beautiful job. So I asked him, he said yes. He invited me to the Troubadour to see James and Carol and the guys. Mm -hmm. And because uh, he was mixing, he was recording it, I guess. Anyway, since I knew Lee already, I came up, went hello, said hello, and then Danny was there, and, and we introduced ourselves. And we exchanged numbers, and we stayed in touch. And when Danny moved out here, and he had been out in a long time, I had a, still have, I don't, it's a little bit in in semi-retirement, well, because media family is so busy, but I had a band called the Night Train Music Club, mm -hmm. which was basically, it, it was sort of a, all-star band, but rotating. So, okay. you know, Bob Gloud played it, Leland played it, and mm. Alfonso Johnson played it, and you know, all the different guitar players and different drummers, and Steve Ferroni played it, and this one, that. So it was, it, was a, it was a lot of fun, and it was always different, and it was kind of a seat-of-the-pants thing, and I started to invite Danny. I said, you know what, you, you moved here, let's, you should play this thing, it's really fun. Mm -hmm. And so he became sort of a, you know, whenever he could, he became a, a, a special guest of the Night Train Music Club. Right. Danny got asked to do a reunion of the section mm. for, Japan, for Japan, to go to Japan mm. with the section. My understanding is that somebody got the rights to re-release the records in Japan. And Danny and, you know, the section, which was Danny, Russ, mm. Lee, and Craig Durge. Mm-hmm. They couldn't really agree on the timing wasn't right. Mm. Danny wasn't really, and they weren't really sure. Like, do we really want to go play instrumental music and learn all that music? Mm. It just it just didn't really feel right. Mm -hmm. So Danny, we it was at my studio. We were already writing together, and we were spending a lot of time together, hanging out a lot. And he said, "You know, I'm going to pass on that." I said, mm. "Wait, wait, wait, wait. You should go to Japan. Why don't we change the name of the thing we do <laughs> mm -hmm. and call it Danny Kortzmar and Friends?" Feature your song. I'll sing a few. Put a little band together. Let's go to Japan. Let's nice. see if go for it. Yeah. yeah. I said, why Why blow the opportunity to go to Japan? I said, I'll <laughs> go with you. So we went. And it was a different band. It wasn't the immediate family, but it was a, a fun band. And Danny got signed there by Vivid Sound. Mm -hmm. And so he and I started doing the pre-production. There was still no band. It was just a record. Mm-hmm. And then he, and of course, when he was time to get in the studio, who, of course, he would call Waddy, Leland, and Russ. Those mm -hmm. are the guys. That's mm -hmm. his. That's his guys. <laughs> and uh, everybody was available, so I was I was already sort of doing it with them. I was doing the pre-production, and so the five of us plus uh, Jim Cox, keyboard player, went into my studio. Well, Groove Masters, Jackson Studio for the basics, mm. and then my studio for the overdubs. And it it was a three day session at Groove Masters, and I would say that by the third day we were already a band. Really? And then the question was, should we have keyboards? And the guys were like, we don't want keyboards. So we want <laughs> the three guitar army, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was a very fast recognition of this is so much fun. We should go to Japan, and we should be a band. Well, so let and me that, let me it. that is amazing. So let me. Let me poke a hole in this a little bit because everyone else you're mentioning and, and they've all known each other. I mean, we know that Danny and Leland and these guys have been 
you know, they've been buddies for doing the same years. kind of yeah, yeah, for 40 yeah. years. And you're, yeah. again, not to put too fine a point, you're the new guy on the scene. So I'm curious, yeah. what is the magic that you guys are feeling? They've already felt this. But what's interesting is you're the new guy coming in, adding to right. that magic and not taking away from it. And they recognize that. What do you think that is? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it, because I think when you see the band, like, you know, a lot of people go to see band, mm -hmm. be honest. I mean, some people, you know, there's a portion of the audience and more and more all the time who know me, but you know, a lot of the older people, they know those guys. Mm -hmm. And it's very clear, very quickly why they're not, it's not random that I'm in the band. You know, these things are organic. It's like if mm -hmm. I said to you, you know, I don't know if you're married, you have a girlfriend, but why that, why that yeah. woman, you know, yeah. like there was a, there's an organic, chemistry that that now it's not just the four it's everybody with everyone else mm -hmm. so russ has a thing with lee i have a thing with russ i have a thing with wadi now that we have together we have a role as me and danny have a role mm -hmm. me and like everybody there's all these these inner inner relationships and the complementing of the of the talent in this band is unlike anything i've ever almost even seen i mean i mean it goes back to me to Little Feet and the band. I mean, yeah. it's everybody's strength. You know, they needed a guy who could sing high. I can sing high. Mm -hmm. so I sing the Don Henley stuff. I sing right. the high harmonies. You know, one of my strong points is my, I'm, I'm classically trained, my acoustic playing and my sort of more keyboard-esque stuff. So that's why we don't really need a keyboard player because mm -hmm. I play, when it comes to that stuff, I play that stuff. And Danny plays the funky rhythms and Wadi plays the rock and roll thing. And it, so it just was pretty clear right away that with the five of us, we got it covered. Yeah. The way I write, the way I sing, the way I play, it fits right in into this little gap that's there. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's a compliment to you. I mean, you know this. The it's First of all, so much of the session stuff is about chemistry anyway. And for you to break in with this group and be an equal partner... And they've all known each other for years. That's a real compliment to you and what you're bringing to the table. They would not take on dead weight. Nobody would. Nobody would take on no. dead weight if they didn't have to. You know what no, I mean? No, there's no reason to. No. no Look, I, you know, I've been basically preparing for this gig my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, like all the sessions, all the listening, all the listening to these guys, all the listening, all the producing. We We have very parallel lives. The difference mm -hmm. was that the real, the, you know what the difference is? Mm. I'm 10 years younger. That's the mm. difference. Mm. So when I came up, what someone like me was doing in the business was a, was different because by the time I was, okay, I'm, 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 I'm here, I'm good, I'm going to play session, I'm going to do whatever, I'm going to be a pro. Mm -hmm. You know, Linda Ronstadt had her band. These guys, yeah. you know, James, Jackson, these guys were those were doing that. So we had to do other stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, we mm -hmm. if you want if you were a pro, I played Broadway shows, I was scored television and jingles, and I did this and that. Yeah. And, but what we all listened to was exactly the same. Yeah. So yeah. The, the influences that now that changed in the generation after me. Mm -hmm. But what informed me and informed these guys was was very similar. That's it's amazing. Just that, that yeah. So there was a there's an instant understanding. Yeah. Of, 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 of the language and what we're talking about, I think. That makes sense. So let's talk about where your bona fides came from. Because again, going back, I mean, I think you're kind of the new guy on the street when you're the one that people probably know, the casual music fans or whatever might know the least about. And oh, from absolutely. What I can, absolutely. From what I can tell, a lot of your bona fides were earned with Jennifer Warren's. And the first thing I can, I can see with your with your credit on it, is the famous Blue Raincoat album. Is that the first, oh, like, big no, thing no, that's that you're 30, part of? That's 30, that's, that's 30 years into my career. What? Really? Yeah. Okay, then, oh, then educate yeah. me. Tell me everything. I don't even know, um, really, Steve, what you've played on that I would know, besides stuff like that. Well, I I, I mean, that's late in my, in okay. my career when I, met, when I met Jennifer. No, I came, I came up in New York City and was the, sort of the, quintessential sort of studio all mm -hmm. you know guy doing i i had i did I, I you know i played on everything from pontiac to deutsche bank commercials mm -hmm. i scored mm -hmm. feature films 
the 20th Century Fox. I scored television shows for ESPN, and I I played Broadway shows at night when there was you know for years. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally then I'd go on the road with the band. I went out for a little bit with Prairie League and went out with, and then I was musical director for people like Leia Salonga. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had a long career. Right. Producing, playing, writing, scoring, touring. So that, that's, that's a 25-year career before I even got to L.A. I had a band for 10 years that was a, a John Oates backup band. And also we had our own band called Little Blue. We toured all over the we toured all over the world, and we we went to you know we we played that band for ten years, played two hundred thirty shows a year. When now I I and, knew I'm a big Hollow Notes fan, and I've had John on here; he's the best. I knew that you had played with him, but I thought that was all kind of more like in the two thousands. When I go, that was yeah. okay. So if yeah. I the the reason I mentioned the famous Blue Raincoat album is because when I look you up, like for instance on AllMusic.com. The earliest credit that I'm aware of, and that I've I have this album, I've heard it, I know what it is. That's the one I see. Was that sort of your? I don't know. Maybe was that a, I, I a think, landmark uh, album see, for you, or no? Well, I mean, I was I, I was the coordinator of the 25th anniversary mm. pro, uh, edition okay. of it. All the people like that that I played with, like Eric Anderson on his records, and Ian Matthews and Jennifer. I think what this is what differentiates it for me. Mm. When Wadi and Danny and Russ and Leland and my friend Bob Glaub and Farron, mm-hmm. all, all my friends were in that 10-year-old-than-me place. Mm-hmm. When they came up, if you were good and you could play, you played on everybody's records. Mm-hmm. That's what you did. Mm-hmm. When I came up, there weren't all the... That mm-hmm. wasn't... It didn't... The mm-hmm. studio thing wasn't that. Yeah. So I wasn't playing on all day long, record after record. I was playing on movie scores or a television Mm -hmm. show or a commercial or all all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was it was very busy. Like New York City was. Oh, I believe it was was rocking in the eighties. You know, I've had other people on here who make a made a living back then. They would like you. They would kind of flitter in and out of pop music but then also play on jingles sing on jingles write on them play whatever I, and they yeah, made exactly. bank for years yeah, doing no, that it, kind of it stuff was a very it was it was it was fun it was lucrative mm-hmm. and we always played i always had a you know i had a deal i got signed by sid bernstein when i was 21 years old nice you know and he and, and he brought me to we made a record that was it was going to be on atlantic records and then that all blew up but mm-hmm. so i was always doing my music as an artist i got signed a number of times and you know it's one of those you, you got to get lucky as well mm-hmm. as be good you know yeah. like i was poised to have this big record deal and with rf arif martin and sid bernstein was my manager and and then sid got into this giant lawsuit with laura Brannigan and blah uh-huh. blah blah and the next thing you know that's dead in the water then the next uh-huh. one and now you know so the reason that i'm not on all music is because that's not what i was doing you know, that part of my career yeah kept getting derailed i always did it i always had a manager mm-hmm. and i always was playing my own shows but it wasn't really till i got out to la mm-hmm. when the when the little blue band after 10 years of that of playing mm-hmm. with little blue and playing with john oates and then i came to la uh and that's when i met crosby and started did some stuff with crosby and then i met jennifer warrens and eric anderson and and i, I played with oates on his records before you know so all of that part of it, which I had been doing all those years, but not in the studio on those records. Mm. So, so it's a, it's just a different trajectory. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell us about John Oates because I love him and those albums, especially oh, the fun, Feng Shui. I think that's how yeah, you that's, say that's it. That's me. Feng yeah. Shui. Right. Yeah, that's you. I wrote two of those songs. Yeah. Like wine. All the good people free. 
How did you two even become like musical partners at that time? I was playing with a beautiful guy who's unfortunately passed away named T-Bone Woke. Oh, he's W-O-L-K. The best. Yeah, I love T-Bone. And we, <laughs> T-Bone and I met on the Dr. Ruth show. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we played on the theme song for Dr. Ruth. <laughs> And we hit it off, and so we would do some gigs together. You know, mm-hmm. I I always had bands that would 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 play, and that people loved loved to hear, and and uh, and they usually and they always had great players. So we did some gigs, we did some sessions, and T Bone said, who of course, as you know, was musical director and bass player and then guitar player for Hall Notes for mm-hmm. thirty years or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's the one who said, "You really, you and John Oates would really hit it off. You guys should write together." You should you should call him up. So mm-hmm. he, he connected us, and I went out. I flew out to Aspen, and mm-hmm. and we did. We just we just had a great time. We wrote instantly. We were able to write together. So I just went out there with my with my band, just because mm-hmm. not you know not to write with John more because we could, but because I hey so yeah I think we can play out there. I think it'd be fun. You know, John kept saying, "This is great. You guys come out here. It's great." And, and we'll play, and when I'm not with, mm-hmm. so we kind of became his backup band when he wasn't on the road with Paul and Oates, and mm-hmm. and then Little Blue had a ten year run. We made four records. We yeah, we did really well in Europe. We got four stars in Rolling Stone magazine in Europe, yeah. and, you know, and it was it was a nice uh, a nice run. But but uh, yeah, he he's a you know the thing that's great is that now he's getting a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Now that he was in Nashville, people are realizing, you know, for a lot of years, I think John was seen as the sidekick that mm-hmm. Daryl didn't need. Yeah. John is a spectacular musician. He is. He's a, he's a great writer. He's a great yeah. musician. And the bands he puts together now in Nashville arts are just out of this world. Yeah. And he's actually, when he's doing his own thing, it's very bluesy and Americana. It's really it interesting. If you haven't, it really if you haven't heard it, it's great. Oh yeah. Yeah. He came on a couple of years ago and we talked about his then new album, Arkansas and, uh, right, which right. is total Americana, and it's just incredible stuff. Yeah, it's great. So you were, I mean, you were kind of like his guitar. I mean, I'm you've read you wrote some songs with him, like All Good yeah. People and Soul Side, yeah. Soul Slide, right, right, Soul Slide, yeah. wrote a couple on my record there's two that are on my record that were really nice we, we you know we wrote some songs and and played some really fun gigs yeah you know and then he would sometimes i'd get a corporate gig and i'd say you know i can you know i can add john oates if you want to pay a lot more money <laughs> you know? So, nice you know okay okay and then how did you come into like david crosby's Crosby, i met through um uh, one of my oldest musical partners is Jeff Pivar, mm. and uh, Jeff was in CPR, mm. um, which was Crosby Pivar Raymond, which is, was also with David's son and Jeff and, and David. And CPR, which was a five-piece band, a bass player, uh, drummer, and the three of them, 
was similar in its the kind of music and the layout setup as my little blue band. So Jeff and I conspired with to to have a big show at the Wheeler Opera House with both bands where we would open up and then CPR would play and then we would all play together at the end. Nice. Okay. Um, so I met him that day. We had a great time, and I clicked with him and clicked with his son James and. And I've got a song on the new record that I wrote with them. And, uh... mm-hmm. I know what you think about guys like me Looking at you hungry, loving what they see And it's just, you know, it's a friendship as well as, you know, we do musical things together when, when it's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, uh, you know, he's just, he's on fire artistically the last few years. It's like, and maybe this is literally what it is, is like he's kind of singing, writing for his life. I mean, he's getting up there in age. Who knows how much longer he'll be able to do this, but he's just pumping out these great albums year after year after year. Where does that come from? Well, he's a real artist. Yeah. He's not, he's never just phoned it in. There is a freedom, you know, as, as sad as it is and tough that the band, at least for now, is not together and had a, a less than stellar mm-hmm. breakup. Mm-hmm. It also has been freeing for him in yeah. a way. Uh, he plus he has this amazing relationship with James Raymond, his son, who's a mm-hmm. who's just an insanely talented writer and musician. So he has this amazing guy to, to write with and produce his record, who's like right there and who happens yeah. to be his son. And I do really feel like David absolutely feels like he's living on borrowed time, given yeah. how I mean he takes really good care of himself now, but he didn't for a whole lot of years. Yeah, um, he'll tell you he says. I've got five diseases that could kill me at any time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So he does. He feels like, you know, this is my legacy. This is what I love to do. And I'm going to do it till that last day. I mean, David wants to die on stage, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, sing it. Yeah, I could see that. Do you ever, prior to Immediate Family, were you touring with him? Do you, is that part of the package? It's always been like one-off shows and special events and we just we did a benefit about four or five months ago and together so yeah i've never toured actually toured with i've just played with him a bunch of times in a bunch yeah. of different scenarios very cool and then jennifer warns i mean uh, so for instance i one of your songs that i really like is angel with a gun Go outside and feed my garden Say a prayer for the living and a prayer for the dead And when it gets dark we'll spill our wine And talk about things that never get said You can tell me what you want the most Keep me far or keep me close I will tell you the story of my life by my first wife on the Ivory Coast. Father, oh father, I know I've done wrong. My will is weak, but my heart is strong. Look into my eyes, tell me what you see. Angel with a gun's got his sights on. He's got his sights on me. 
I was listening to it uh, recently to get ready to talk to you, and then uh, unmistakably, there's Jennifer's voice. You know, sure is unmistakable. Yeah, you uh, you cannot miss Jennifer's voice, and I no. feel like she doesn't do as much. Like, where is she? What's she doing? Do you keep in touch with her? Where'd she go? I do. I just I I talked to her last week to make sure she was okay. She. Uh, first, she moved from up here. She was right near me in, in um, Mar Vista. And she moved down to, I guess, where she's from, which is um, Orange County. And then, I forget what, what was the impetus, but she went to Austin. The guy who produced Famous Ruranko is Roscoe Beck. Hmm. I don't know if you know Roscoe. Roscoe hmm. was, was Leonard Cohen's musical director the last six years. And um, one of the great bass players, he was with Robin Ford all the, the, in those great years and one of the top bass players and, and great producer he produced my record Angels, Horses and Pirates remember he mm. produced that song Angel with a Gun mm. so Roscoe is really connected with Jennifer like they did that record connected them for life mm. it was you know and and she was kind of her health was, she didn't feel great up here mm. anymore mm allergies you know some people that and he said just, just come to Austin yeah it's great here well you know and she's ha she's so she she doesn't want to perform anymore mm. even when we even when we were touring it, she just didn't love it it was too hard on her she wants to make some records and she's sort of so she's in Austin with around people who care about her and yeah you know know her legacy and, yeah. and get it okay yeah. good yeah, I've always wondered where she went. The mailbox money for I've had the time of my life and up where we belong probably isn't too bad either. So maybe she's just happy living off that, content and Well, doing you know, her own thing. she didn't write it. She didn't write it. I know. Music. Yeah, I know she did. Yeah, she didn't. And um you know, so it's not what it could have been. For okay. Her. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well look, I one thing I wanted to ask you, this is this is a little bit of an experiment here, Steve, because I'm not a gearhead at all. I'm not a musician. And every now and then when I have prominent guitarists like yourself on the show, I'll hear from some of my listeners like, why didn't you ask him, you know, what pedals he uses and what guitars he uses and what pickups mm. and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, because I don't know anything about that stuff. But I thought, right. okay, let's take a chance here. What kind of guitars, how many, is your house just like, one whole wall is just a rack of guitars. What are your favorites to use? Why do you use them? What are some of your, you know, warm-up habits? Tell me about your, tell me your gear practice. Tell me right. your gear habits. Well, I'm a, I'm a nut. Okay, let's just, uh -huh. I have 80 guitars. <laughs> 80? Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And you need each one because each one does something very specific that the others don't? They're all different. I'm telling you, they are all different. If I if I don't use it, if I never use it, I I, I get rid of it. Actually, no, if, I, okay. if, if it has no function, and sometimes it's once in a year. You know, the other day, I did a recording of this Leo Kaki tune, and hmm. and I kept trying different guitars. None of them sound. I found one I haven't played in a year and a half. It was the right guitar, you know. <laughs> and great. plus, I you know understand that I also have a recording studio on the property. Okay. So uh -huh. I've got, you know, I've got. 25 30 amps here and the guitars and 50 microphones and you know it's it's i live in a virtual uh, toy store mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i i love i one of those people i love the tools of the trade i i get a, a real joy out of it some people don't need don't yeah you know, i don't need it really i could do with less stuff but i just love it i love the diff all the subtle different colors plus i'm asked to do a lot of things as a as a producer and session guitar player, uh, you know, I mean, there's all kind. Of, I was, I did, I scored a film about two years ago called Dying to Know, which is a yeah. wonderful d documentary about um, uh, Ron Doss and Timothy Leary. Mm -hmm. And what they wanted me to do was, since, and this film scanned 50 years, I think, from the late 40s all the way up till he died in 2000, whatever it was. They wanted me to write music for each scene that represented that era. Mm. And so, so the director had, as they often do, because it's called spotting it. They, they put in something like this, you know, but that not something they could have the rights to, like a cream song. Mm -hmm. You know, to play the cream song and sound like cream, I, I had to 
get that you know an old that kind of amp and a mm-hmm. had to be a Les Paul guitar and you know uh, uh, so I I have needs in the studio sometimes that are very very specific and there's certain guitars that can mm. but, but but live is a different story then there's my whole acoustic world which is different than my electric world mm. mm-hmm. um, but lately I've been uh, when it comes to the band I'm really playing two companies i'm playing a, a, a few gnl guitars which is the company that leo fender the, the l is leo right. uh-huh. started when he moved off of fender he he went and made uh, gnl guitars okay. and they're still in existence and they've made me and both me and danny some beautiful guitars nice. and then more recently i've made a connection with paul reed smith and really between the paul reed smith and the gnl i'm covered like i you know i'm mm-hmm. i'm good you know, those those are really exquisite guitars. So, and also, you know, these days, if you're not a Springsteen, it, the days of taking six, seven guitars in the road are over. <laughs> you can't you can't do it. Right. You know. Right. So, at the most, I can take is two. Okay. You know. So yeah. I I've got it down to where I'm working very closely with both of those companies. They're great, got great people, real supportive. And then in terms of you know, I probably I have almost every pedal that's ever been made out of boxes and boxes <laughs> of pedals. But, but again, it's gotten so, it's gotten so prohibitive to travel. Like it's, mm. you know, the, it's just so hard now. The whole yeah. thing. You know, when I was even when Little Blue used to tour, we had a guy at LAX. We give him a hundred bucks. He'd meet us on the curb, and we would we had drum sets. 15 guitars, keyboards, amps. He just took care of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Showed up at the <laughs> then we had, Then we had another guy in the other town. You know, you can't even get, there's no, forget it. So, mm-hmm. I've actually gone to, with pedals, I've, I'm actually using um, on the road these, these, these sort of hybrid Line 6, uh, it's, a, a, it's sort of all the pedals, simulations mm-hmm. of all the pedals in one pedal. And, and and it's not that I think it, it it sounds great. I don't think it sounds better than my big pedal board. It, it certainly doesn't. But it's really close, and it's one thing, and I check it, and I'm done. Good. And, uh, okay. You know. So so that's good that's to know. Good. I'm curious. Do you have like an old reliable guitar? Is there one that that's your go-to? That's the one that's you know next to you in bed, or you know that's the one that's all beat up and worn out. It looks like Willie but, Nelson's guitar. I don't have a guitar like that. I've got too okay. many. Okay. I've got so many guitars. I've got some beautiful old guitars that mm-hmm. that I. But it's I have so many guitars that the, and the colors are so different that I really will get inspired. Like, you know, I want to I, tonight. I want to play my old pre thirty five, and you know, I'll go mm-hmm. grab that because it's yeah. or it's the sound of what I'm what I'm of the solo I'm playing or something. Interesting. So, Okay. Yeah. I can relate to that. I still, <laughs> I get a lot of flack for it. I still collect CDs and I've got a couple thousand of them. And there's, my wife gives me a hard time because she wants me to throw a lot of them out and I don't want to. And they're for mm. kind of a similar reason because I, you never know when you're going to get in the mood for just that one thing. And yes, I can put them all on iTunes and yes, it's all on Spotify and everything. But I like to just grab the thing off the shelf that I'm jonesing for that I haven't listened to in years and go for a drive, right. you know? So I, it sounds like, now when you, it sounds like you kind of have a similar process with your guitars. What am I in the mood for today? Or is it like, do you have, do certain guitars bring on certain inspiration? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. if Every I write guitar, a, okay, yeah. Yeah. They the inspire you creatively. Going to te- tell me to, how to play a little Got bit. Got it, okay. And I, and I know my instruments enough to know yeah, and sometimes if I'm not, it's something that's just not working. I just have to switch guitars. Okay. Yeah. Um, that makes and sense. there's all these different styles of guitars. You know, there's Telecasters, and that's a certain way that you feel. And there's Stratocasters, and there's this, and there's that. So there's hollow body and semi hollow body, and they all speak differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I love the subtle. I think one of my one of the nice things about what I bring to the band is that the the subtle color thing is what I love. Mm. And different guitars give me uh, different subtle colors that I can bring into into yeah, the music. That makes sense. That I'm yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Okay, okay. 
what's the plan? I mean, for immediate family, I mean, Corona is messing up everybody's plans. I get it. But is right, do you right. have some semblance or know what you might be doing? Other than we should say Cruel Twist is going to be the right. first single. But after that, yeah. what? Well, we have, then we have another single that will come out in October. So okay. we have a video for Cruel Twist, which is done, and we'll do another one for the second single. Great. Um, and then the, then the, and then there's going to be an EP mm. of about maybe five songs. Okay. And then in 2021, the full record, a 14 song Great. record will come out. We are also going to start doing online shows. Really? So that's coming up. I think the first one is end of June. Yep. Nice, because I've been watching those um, like cover the videos you guys have been doing of you know playing cover songs and all that. Those are so much fun. Right. So we're going to actually get together in a venue at the end of June and do a concert with a five or six camera. I think it's a six camera shoot. Okay. And what's cool about that is we have fans all over the world. So, yeah. So instead of being in a in a you know five hundred seat venue and and that's it. Our people in Germany can watch it. Italy, yeah. Japan, you know, as long as they can stay up late, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah. I'm actually looking forward to doing some of those because I think we'll be able to connect with people all over the world. Really. Yeah, yeah. I uh, speaking so, of which, yeah. I I live in Denver, but I have friends in LA who have seen you guys in concert and just sang your praises. Apparently, those immediate family concerts are unbelievable. It's the best. I got to tell you, and I'm so, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of it, even though I'm in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, it's a band I would want it. Like the bands that I, I love bands like this. You know, I yeah, just, yeah. it's what I, and I can't, you know, and now that Petty's dead, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, Jackson has a great band, but it's still Jackson. It's not, yeah. it's not a band. Yeah. Petty's band really, that was a band. It was. And, yeah. I saw them a lot because my partner in the studio was Steve Ferroni. I saw them. Yeah. And that was great. But now you can't see them. Yeah. And, you know, there's no Little Feet that, you know, Paul mm -hmm. Brer died that, you know, that there's no band. There's, yeah. So to have a band like this that's where every, each person is absolutely essential. I'll tell you one mm -hmm. quick. We Please. did one show. Russ couldn't make a show we decided well you know let's just not cancel the festival and we'll we got a great drum great mm -hmm. drum after that this is nothing about him he played his ass off mm -hmm. we'll never do it again because there's no replacing anybody really? that oh was that was the lesson that was the lesson we needed this <sighs> is not this is these five guys the way we feel together and sound yeah. together on stage the vibe the music yeah this is the deal there can't be a revolving absolute, door. Not at all. This is it's wow. an absolute thrill. And I pinch myself every time yeah. we are we are playing together. It's, That's it's, great. It's definitely the most fun I've ever had. That's great. Okay. Last question. I want to know sure. what your favorite memory is. And we've established that you've been at this for so many years, and but a lot of that time was kind of behind the scenes. Maybe it's on a jingle, whatever. It's not all on albums that millions of people have listened to, although that's part of it. But tell me what your favorite memory is. When you th sit back and you just think, you would never believe who I played with in the studio today, or who I had lunch with, or whatever. Whatever your favorite thing is. What is it, Steve, when you look back? Oh, boy. I mean, that's a tough one. Really? Um, well, there's been so many things. I'm playing on the singing on the Tonight Show was was was. Who did you play? Who were you with? I sang a duet with uh, Leia Salonga on the Tonight Show. Oh, and, uh, nice! And that was a you know it was a, I, I wouldn't say it was my favorite because I I was really it was very tense. So yeah. I, I wouldn't call it my favorite. It was a, it was a big one. I think one of the moments there was a moment in at the Vancouver Island Music Fest when you know there's, there's a beautiful festival it was a beautiful night and crosby and i came out front alone and sang you can close your eyes as a duet mm -hmm. james taylor song and and only at leland who had played on the original part it was, it was the two of us singing playing acoustic guitars leland on bass and james playing a little piano and i just like 
kind of looked out at whatever it was, eight, 10,000 people, and I looked over, and I'm singing one of the most beautiful songs ever written by James Taylor with the bass player played on the record, with David Crosby singing the, the duet with me. Yeah. It was a, I had an out-of-body, like, this yeah. is... Uh, this is a pretty special moment. Yeah. And I'll tell you one other, because it's yes, always please. more than more. That, that, ha that happened actually more recently. Nice. When we played Iridium in New York, because Waddy was in the expensive winos, Keith, mm -hmm. Keith Richards came to the show. It's a big deal. <laughs> you know, there's not mm -hmm. a lot of... I've played with a lot of famous people, but I but he's that's another... To me, that's yeah. a whole other thing. Yeah. And uh, and he said he was going to, you know, he'd love to see a couple songs and, you know, and, but he stayed the entire night, stayed the whole night. We mm. to, I could see him like totally digging the thing. Wow. And uh, show's over. He's saying goodbye to Waddy and, you know, and particularly, and, and, to, and he knows Danny, they've known each other. And then he's kind of motioning and I, I'm looking behind me like, it must be. And he goes, no, you, come over here. Mm. <laughs> And I, and I come over and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, you know the only thing better than two guitar players? I said, what? He goes, three guitar players. <laughs> and, he, yes. and, he, and he gave me a hug and he said, I love the show, man. And, and I just was like, you know, oh. have Keith Richards give me a hug and say love the show and oh. make a point of it. It's just a, you know, it's something I... That's it. That yeah, is it. pretty pretty up there i'm never going to meet you know john lennon's never going to do that for me yeah, with yeah. me and keith has a just such a special place for anybody who who's ever put a played a yeah. rock and roll song on the guitar it was, yeah. it was that was that was a really really special moment wow that is amazing i can't even imagine um well look thank you steve for talking with me and for sharing your story yeah. with us it's so fascinating and uh, i'm excited to see what you got, I mean, uh, for better or worse, you know, Corona's forcing a lot of people to be creative about how they want to connect with their fans and get music out there, get anything artistic out there. And I'm excited Absolutely. to see how you guys are going to handle this. And it sounds like you've got some you know, I, interesting we, it's, ideas. It's because we have a great team. We have a great team of people with behind us now. And strangely enough, I, we've, we've, increased our fan base more since mm. coronavirus than before oh yeah you know? those videos so on youtube don't hurt those are so fun no yeah well the way you see the new one is so great it okay. comes out june 11. okay good it's absolute absolute blast good okay all right well it's a pleasure man thank yeah, you thank if you need you anything so much, else steve all right there you have it steve postel He's a good man, and uh, I really love a lot of his other work. He mentioned that band in there that he was a member of called Little Blue. This is a song of theirs that I really think is so beautiful. It's called Wait Until You Get Here. So anyway, that's the beginning of this story. Like I said, over the next few weeks, I haven't decided yet if we're going to put them all out at once, or we might do like one a, week, one a month for the next four months. But I will tell you that this coming Tuesday... Cooch, Danny Korchmar, is absolutely going to be our guest. And we do long, career-spanning episodes with all of these guys. So it's stories galore. I think you guys are going to love it. So thank you very much, Steve, for talking with me. Thank you, Lisa Roy, for helping put all this together. And thank you, Yan, for being my right-hand man. You guys know what to do by now. You can find us on Facebook. You can like our page. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. And look out Tuesday, it's Cooch Day. All right? Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. It didn't matter much about the conversation. I'd said it all before this day. I said, just wait until you get here. And you'll see what I mean. Wandered into the Howling Wolf Cafe. I saw a kid with a guitar. Everyone was just loving him. So in tune with where they are. So I ate and I drank. 
Saint or seal Dark to light Day to night All comes clear There's no need For fear There's no Man. 